Hi, it's DM Bill, and as you can tell, I am not impressed. Why, you may ask? Because it's what us old folks do. You want to know what does impress me? Besides a full night's sleep without a trip to the bathroom, every two hours, online shopping. That's right, online shopping impresses me. There's nothing I like more than clicking on the doodads on my jitterbug phone and buying the latest D&D books and gaming accessories from Amazon and having it delivered right to my door. That's darn convenient. Next time your kids are on your Twitcher book or Facey time, impress DM Bill and head on over to our website, thedungeonmastersdojo.com, and do some online shopping at our Amazon affiliate store. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it's a great way to support a podcast. See you next time in the dojo. Greetings and salutations, my fellow DMs, GMs, referees, judges, game operation directors, and all the other varieties of storytellers. This is your DM, Bill, and it's time for another DM Quick Tip. In some of the previous episodes, we here at the Dojo have discussed the differences between the varied kind of players that you may have sitting with you at your game. And for the Game Master, a few suggestions on how to handle these varied playing styles, should the need arise. Information is what we do here at the Dojo. With that in mind, I urge you to take a good look at how you set up and run your individual games. If any of this content that I present seems to touch foreign to you, you may want to consider using some of the points I'll be going over in these segments. These quick tips are here to point out several of the possible avenues a Game Master can use to fill out and enrich in your game. Now, I would like to address some of the different types of Game Masters and their styles. The way a Game Master presents a scenario or adventure and the subsequent encounters can be spectacularly varied, though they can easily be summed up and categorized in just a few different types, just like the player styles. But I'm going to focus on just one for now. As we go over these in the next few episodes, some of these Game Master's styles will seem quite similar to the player styles. And why not? Most Game Masters started off as players, and the crossover would feature the Game Master's personality, and it'd be natural and expected. Let's get into it, shall we? And let's talk about the Builder. The Builder is a DM that likes to spend a lot of time meticulously constructing every aspect of their scenarios, paying special attention to the world that the players will be traveling and living in. The lore and the background of the lands is going to be rich and deep. Everyone has a name and an interesting story to tell. All you have to do is ask. Every place is referred to as if you visit it several times and should already know everything about it even if this is the first time and only time that anyone's ever been there. The Builder has prepared a story for every town and is anxious to share every detail with the party. Here are just a few items in that three-ring binder that the Builder has prepared, just for this one little town. Who founded the town? When and where has every battle or skirmish occurred that the occupants of the town had to get involved in? Willing or not? And with whom? The present standing population and if it fluctuates as people move about, such as in trading caravans. Whether some people move in as vacationers, if the town is by a shoreline or some other unique geographical feature. Are there workers coming in from afar to help with the harvest? Or is the population influenced only by the seasons or the weather? Can the town be known for any goods or services not found easily anywhere else? Towns don't just pop up for no reason at all. Are there minerals for the smiths in the hills? Is the river abundant with a variety of fish or crustaceans? Does the forest offer a harvest of unique or rare plants that are sought after by casters and healers? What are some of the goods and wares imported 
if the town has difficulty producing these themselves. Now, the builder's on a roll, and there's history lurking around every corner. Let's move on to the maps. And the builder sure has brought a lot of maps. Even though player characters are going to start off in a small hamlet or town, we're going to be off with the world map that shows each and every continent in colorful and precise detail. Be ready to hear how long it took to produce that masterpiece. From there, we're going to scale it down to the continent that the town you're heading to rests upon. As we go across the mountains leading to the rivers and lakes, from arid area to wet, across forest to desert, we're going to narrow it down at least to the province that the little town is sitting in. From there, we're going to follow the main caravan road that leads to all the neighboring cities and towns as we narrow it down even further. Finally, settling in the rolling hills just under another massive mountain range, eventually, seen from the hilltop, we're going to see your little town. But it doesn't stop there. No, now we must go over the map of the town. It's Main Street from which all features about the town spawn. Over there is the mill. Down this road, you can find the apothecary, the town's inn, and the taverns. On this side of the street are the smith shop, the metal workers, if you need armor repaired, and let's hope you don't make use of the jail. Represented is every other feature on the map that the game master thinks that the players may want to refer to. And now that we have the town map all set, let's look at the individual buildings, shall we? And yes, your builder has a map for each and every building. The characters might want to step into them. You never know. You have to be ready. Floor plans to show where everything is sitting. First floor with all the trappings. Second floor living spaces. Subfloors. Sub-subfloors. Everything's going to be laid out and ready and waiting for the adventure. If that doesn't seem like quite enough to flesh out your adventure, not to worry. The Builder DM has something else up their sleeves. Let's take a quick look at the politics of the area, shall we? The Builders left nothing to chance. After all, who can resist a chance to build an entire political system? Now, as the players near the town, they're going to have to figure out what that system is. The quicker they do, the easier it will be to stay out of trouble, at least in theory. Has your builder created a theocracy? A government ruled in the name of a god or by officials who are regarded as divine? Maybe divinely guided or at least very consistent with the principles of the people's religion? Is this perhaps a monarchy? A government where supreme authority is vested in a single family. This form is usually headed by hereditary figures such as kings or queens, whose power can vary from absolute to nothing at all. Maybe it's a tyranny. Rulership by an absolute and unyielding tyrant, perhaps a warlord, who arbitrarily exercises their power over subjects, not for the purpose of government-approved actions or for the dispensing of law and justice, but for their own twisted beliefs or entertainment or simply a dictatorship, a form of government where the power rests entirely on one person. This rule could be acquired by inheritance or by force. It's usually oppressive, with the differences between the haves and have-nots very extreme. All this will be decided the second you approach the gates of the town. There may be hints for the players as they close in on the town's gates, such as flags hanging from the ramparts heralding the ruler's crest, or heads of persons who have been deemed enemies of the state. Whichever ruling system the builder has put together, the players are going to have to contend with the entity that helps enforce the laws of any ruling system. We're talking about the constabulary. Constabulary's enforcement of peace and administration of law will often reflect on the ruling government's edicts and how heavily their involvement is in the day-to-day views of the law. 
Is it going to be an all-out military where the army patrols the streets and guides the peoples and their daily routines? Is it a militia where it's built up of the populace itself? Individuals who volunteer because they believe in the ruling body and such helps to enforce these laws to further the aspirations of that ruling body. Justice for the people, by the people, in the name of those who rule. Is it perhaps a simple constabulary made of hired policemen? A group that gets paid to do this difficult service? With perhaps a few elected officials at top, and in some cases, your constabulary may be made up of mercenaries, an army for hire, brought in by the ruling government to keep peace and order, usually with a stern fist, a sharp blade, and severe punishments doled out for even the smallest infraction. Suffice it to say that your builder has been very busy indeed. Now, does all this seem a little excessive? I mean, hasn't your builder kind of gone overboard? Of course. That's exactly the point I'm trying to make here. The builder loves to create. It's simply a labor of love. This is how the builder attempts to draw you, the players, into his or her vision of their world. For them, this is incredibly entertaining. And let's be honest, would you rather be told, uh, you walk into a tavern, you go up to the bar and find out the bartender's name is Bob. Uh, his wife is Mary. And the guy sitting across the room, uh, his name's Robbie. And the elderly gentleman sitting over by the fireplace, uh, he's um, uh, Robert. And he's second, sitting next to uh, Mary. Uh, that's Mary with an I. Uh, their daughter, Mary, spelled with a K, the K is silent, is serving dinner at, as the waitress. Uh, now, who's going to do what? It gets kind of boring after a while when DM always seems to fall back on the same names for all the NPCs over and over. The first tavern you step into, no matter where you are or where you came from, is called the Frog Lips Inn. Doesn't that feel like the DM isn't really trying? Or would you rather be greeted in a different fashion? For instance, Welcome, travelers. I'm Denrick, owner and operator of the Oxen Anchor. You look like you could use a rest. Excellent timing. The evening meal is just about ready to be served, and we have a few rooms left. My wife, Freya, can show you upstairs to your rooms to freshen up. There's a small charge to use the bathhouse out back. Uh, breakfast and supper, along with stable charges, are included in the room fees. The crafters and trademans are the next street over, due west, other side of Main Street. Uh, they'll fix you up right. Uh, tell them I sent you. They'll like you to be a bit more forgiven while haggling the price. So, how many will you be staying with us this evening? It's two silvers a day, two more coppers for the bathhouse. Finally glad you can clean the grime of three days travel off your backs. The group uses the establishment's facilities to freshen up. With a clean set of clothes on and the dirt washed from your hair, you head down to the main hall. There you find a table set for your group in anticipation of the meal that's about to be served. Mina introduces herself as your waitress and begins to pass out the hearty stew, bread, and cheese that's tonight's supper. As she leans in to fill some mugs with ale, she whispers, We hope you enjoy your stay, but please pay no never mind to old man Pampas Bill by the fire. He'll begin to regale you anyone who's willing to listen some far-fetched stories. We all find it kind of amazing that someone who never seems to leave the seat by the fireplace or even sets down his ale has been to so many places and has done so many things. Don't get me wrong, those tales are a joy to listen to and he tells them with such a passion, but we think he's just spouting off stories he's heard or perhaps read. He may look grizzled and gruff, but he's harmless. Okay, so let's review, shall we? The builder has given you a reference point to the start of the adventure, a contact within the town, a general idea of the cost of services, the knowledge that the prices may be negotiable, a brief layout of the town and inn, a location of craftsmen you may need, and a questionable but possible source of information. It's a whole lot better than Bob's place in the last town, isn't it? 
The builders put this all together because this is what the builder does. But why? It's to enrich the world that the players and the player characters are going to experience. Constructing with the hope to create a detailed adventure and scenario that's going to leave nothing to chance, or at least very little. Keep in mind, as you, the player or new game master, goes through your everyday life, you go to different places, you see different people, and everything has a different name. This is what your builder is trying to bring into their world. Why shouldn't your player characters enjoy the sensations that every sense can bring? All these points are in no way mandatory for the story you are going to tell. They're not even strongly suggested. I just hope that if some of these ideas might make it into your story, or at very least get you thinking and inspires a creative streak. And the joy that the builder gets? Well, that comes from the players, how they react to all that's been presented, but mostly the player's level of immersion into their story. That's the builder as this old man sees it. See you next time in the dojo. Thank you.